Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are still at the ABC Called to Council Conference 2021. And uh, as I've been saying for the last five or six podcasts while we've been here at the ABC Conference, Shauna and Jeremy are not with us, uh, but every every time we've got a special guest, and this one's special, special, because we've got two special guests. Awesome. Yeah. Super special. Mm. Super special. we got Greg Wilson, who we just did a podcast on his book, and we've got alongside, we're really going to focus on this special guest, Chris right. Moles. Good to finally have you. It's been hey, a, man, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. I love this podcast. And now to say I've actually been on, I can die happy. <laughs> well, man, I get your mailers and I get your podcast and I do hear other noises in the podcast, but it's, you know what? It's irrelevant because the content is always awesome. So the PeaceWorks podcast, the worst podcast <laughs> in the history of the world. But, you know, thousands of people tune in. It's been just a blessing um, to see the response to that. And we're approaching episode 200 on the PeaceWorks podcast. Man, you are blowing us up. Like, we're not even at 100 yet. <laughs> So to the 98 people listening, please consider listening to the PeaceWorks podcast. We welcome you. Yeah, we've hit, uh, we're at, so for you, uh, Speak the Truth listeners, thank you guys, but we're we're right at around 50,000 downloads. That's amazing. But we started in 2019. That's amazing. So you've been, you've been doing it for a while. But what, what's cool about uh, this banter about the podcast is with thousands of people listening all over the world, what this reveals is domestic yep. abuse is a real issue. Mm-hmm. And um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to start with with you, Chris. Um, uh, one of the books, again, uh, this is the fourth podcast on domestic abuse. It's uh, very much a real issue. And just really quick, uh, Chris, before we jump in really quick uh, with just uh, you, who you are, more stuff about your ministry, and then uh, the book that you have, The Heart of Domestic Abuse, which is the first domestic abuse book that I read. Um, the reality of domestic abuse and what's going on in the church and what you guys are doing, what you've been doing, uh, has just been just amazing. And um, I had the opportunity back in August, um, Peter and myself, uh, we're, we have a, a biblical counseling ministry at Truth Renewed. Um, and because we've started experiencing a lot of um, domestic abuse cases, didn't even realize that there were domestic abuse cases until we found out. We ended up going to um, West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, where Chris is at, right? Are you outside of Charleston? or? Yeah, I live uh, outside of Charleston, but that would be the, the city. That's the capital city yeah. of West Virginia. Yeah. I just want to say it was a thrill to have biblical counseling. There was 50 Friends. people there, wasn't yeah, there? In yeah. West Virginia and get to yeah. show off my state. It was a lot of fun. For yeah. Me. Yeah. No, it, it was a lot of fun. And we had, we had a fantastic time and, and really the purpose uh, for us was to go and get equipped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what Chris does a great job and, and Greg has come alongside them. And, and those guys were just, um, just a force to be reckoned with um, all the engagement. Um, they were really good back and forth and the content was really great. And what I appreciated about what they did with their men of peace uh, cohort here, and, and they can talk more about this here in just a bit, but with this cohort, cohort, um, it's always one thing to get a bunch of information, right? There's always an information dump. But then after that, all right, how do we apply this? And the fact that you guys were able to, you know, all right, all right, we watch us do it. We've been doing this. Now you guys try to do it and then we'll, we'll provide some feedback and we'll kind of keep going from there. But I um, mean, it, it was super helpful. What was encouraging again to those 50 people, like you mentioned, not only was it pastors, but it was, it was professionals. It was a plethora of people who were there for one purpose. And that is the gospel of Christ. Amen. And specifically, um, it was for the perpetrators, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. people that 
that we would often want to shun and lock and convict, which rightfully so to some extent, right. but it doesn't negate the heart of the gospel right. and they need the gospel too. Yeah. Uh, so it was a beautiful thing. And that's really, um, Chris, uh, just kind of, you know, your heart, what you've been doing a lot. And so with that, do you want to just share a little bit of how you got involved in this? Uh, the fact that a lot of what you do is court appointed and working with perpetrators and, and how it's allowed you to, man, take the gospel and, and really share it with people that don't experience the gospel in a lot of ways. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, uh, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago now in 1999, I began pastoral ministry. Yeah. And like a lot of pastors in West Virginia, it, it was going to benefit me and my family to have bivocational options. Yeah. And so stumbled into corrections. It's not really an area that I pursued. I actually have more of an Anabaptist theological framework. Yeah. So, um, I could only do so much. Is it a CM? I'm CMA. CMA. I'm right. CMA yeah. uh, as uh, ordained in the Christian Missionary Alliance. But theologically, I don't want to go too far. Like I couldn't be a sheriff or a yeah. magistrate. But they offered me an educational position, uh, asked me to teach life skills to drug offenders. At that time, methamphetamine was the drug of choice. And so, you know, 20 some year old kid, I began teaching life skills to uh, parenting classes to drug offenders. And that evolved to the point that they began a program about 16 years ago called Batterer Intervention. It's It's been around since the late 80s, early 90s yeah. in various forms. And they asked if I could um, help co-lead that with one of the officers. And I didn't want to, <laughs> had no desire to, but through Providence and yeah. the course of uh, time and the need for a few extra bucks, I jumped into it, right? I remember saying, I think the Lord's calling me now that I know I'm going to get paid. So <laughs> right. the irony of it is God used those events yeah. to shape the rest of my ministry life and our family and uh, provide a passion for something I, I didn't experience as a kid. I came from a great family yeah. um, with no no abuse. Uh, a lot of equality in my home. And so to delve into that work was a, a new experience for me. And to come into BIPs or batterer intervention was interesting because it's perpetrator centric. Yeah. It was court ordered uh, perpetrator work. And so my exposure to domestic abuse started with violent men and then evolved into the uh, community coordinated response, working with advocates, working with law enforcement, working with prosecutors, learning yeah. the system. Yep. And early on, honestly, it was just another job and another way to minister. Mm -hmm. And then those two worlds, my biblical counseling world and the abuse world collided around 2008 when I went back to school to do my um, uh, MABC, my graduate work in biblical counseling and just discovered that no one was talking about this. Yeah. No one was to not. And, and I don't mean this in a, in a negative way. It's just, we were ignorant. Yeah. There, there wasn't material from an actual case wise experiential, you know, position in the biblical counseling movement. And so I began to write my papers on what I was experiencing yeah. and, and applying the gospel. And that's when things began to snowball. When we realized that, Hey, this is something that the biblical counseling movement Needs. has not addressed, right. has not addressed well. And that's not a knock. You know, we are still a young movement yeah. and to, to be able to be part of the kind of the tip of the spear on that was yeah. encouraging. I think I was naive in that I took it on thinking, no, I could do that. A lot of growing pains, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. But praise the Lord. Look at where we're at now. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, uh, you know, a decade or more later with uh, all the resources we have. Yeah. When you think about what's happening here at the a ABC conference, uh, Greg's book, Darby, um, Joy, Leslie, all of the resources that 
just 10 years ago, we, we didn't have. Right? Yeah, we're non-existent. Yeah. And now we are, you know, almost an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. <laughs> an entire yeah. track on abuse and a track on trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And soon yeah. to be a specialization from That's ABC right. on domestic abuse, which will be the first of its kind. And I think will be a huge benefit to the biblical counseling world to actually have people focusing in and specializing on this topic. Yeah, no, that's really good. Thank you, Chris. And again, um, I'm, I've been already blessed in the short time that I've known you, um, you know, just from the work that you've done, um, being a part of the cohort was, uh, just a, a complete eye opener for me. Again, I knew it existed. It was out there, but you know, again, when you're exposed, uh, to that level, it's just, yeah, your heart just like, wow. Uh, we need to take this seriously. We need to get going. But uh, just really quick, back to the level three. There's a there's a shameless plug to yeah. level three, uh, specialized training, um, and that's really that's really the heart of ABC is is really equipping the local church. Um, you know, level one certification having to do with building a knowledge, and then level two is experience, and then level three is specialized in domestic abuse. I think about that, right, guys? Like to to. Chris, a moment ago, you, you mentioned just, you know, within the short span of a decade, mm-hmm. uh, the work that the Lord has has absolutely blessed the people that he's raised up and, and, and rose up and, and was able to do uh, what we've been able to do and, and what the Lord's doing through that. Uh, 10 years from now, with more specialized training and tracks, like what that can actually do for the local church. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, the, that all of a sudden our gospel will be far more deeper and robust than this one dimensional mm-hmm. Jesus loves you and he saves you kind of gospel which is true but it's it's unbelievably shallow yeah yeah and the fact that the gospel gets into uh these particular waters and it's absolutely we were talking about this briefly in last podcast with greg just the the discipling reality of this work you know i know this work i think i know this work well like i feel very yeah you've been doing it for a bit yeah in in this particular work and i can say that the culture is slowing down in their effectiveness. Mm. They've they've always been ahead of us on this because they've been engaged and funded and, yeah. and have recognized the problem. But I think there are so many just cultural distractions, political distractions, funding yeah. issues yeah. that are taking its toll on the work of domestic violence intervention across the board. But the church represents a sleeping giant that's just now beginning to Absolutely. recognize yeah. the the problem. And I, and Greg knows this. I my wife and I have a dream. When we first started, we began to have this conversation of, you know, 20 years from now, we want to see the church be the safest place on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of a lofty idea, but honestly, it's not that far out of reach. It's a livable. It is a seeable dream. I yeah. can see that before I die, the church becoming a safe place for women and children mm. in particular. Yeah. And the fact that it's not is something that we're just now beginning to recognize. Yeah. We have to recognize if we're going to make changes. But I yeah. believe, again, the church represents a sleeping giant that when mobilized will can effectively address this problem to a greater degree than anything yeah. we've ever seen. No, that's good. That's good. Hey, really quick, Chris, can we uh, just, just, I want to highlight your book uh, again, cause I'm a little partial to it. Cause it was the first one that I read in domestic yeah. abuse. It's the first one that I wrote on it. So. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Uh, good. Good. So can we just, again, the heart of domestic abuse, uh, gospel solutions for men who use control and violence in the home, obviously what inspired you, you kind of alluded to that as the Lord has 
brought you through, but at what point did you really write this book and realize like, all right, this is vocationally speaking, this is what I'm going to really be involved in. And, and was this a product of that? Yeah. So my um, final project in my MABC was um, a thesis on this concept yeah. of the gospel as a means of addressing domestic abuse. And um, it was received well, and but I had no connections. In yeah. fact, it was a year later after I had graduated that I was actually at the zoo with my family. We were in Columbus, Ohio, and I got a voicemail and it was from a publisher. And, and literally she was saying, you know, Chris, we've been trying to reach you for about a year. <laughs> wow. We, but, you know, if we don't hear back really from really diligent you, a year and their yeah, publisher right. still reaching out to you. And they're like, so if we don't hear back from you, we're just going to move on. We're just going to assume you don't want to do this project. Well, I had no clue because the email address was wrong. Oh. They were sending contacts to the wrong email. And um, was that the other Chris Moles? No, no, it <laughs> uh, I think it was just a, a typo. I didn't make the contact. One of my professors actually made the contact. And so I called them back and, and apologized and we talked and that began that process. And um, I think it was around 2014 or so about the book. And so I just began to write a chapter a month. That's how the book was constructed. I would write and send it off. They would edit and send it back. And, and it was basically just, okay, here's what I do with guys. And here's how I would apply the gospel in those situations. And that's where uh, the heart of domestic abuse came from. And what God has been gracious to do is he's allowed us then to take the case wisdom of just the years of experience of working with perpetrators, the theories and practices of biblical counseling in the book. And then he's allowed me to wed those two practically to the point that I think, and it'll always be evolving, but I think Greg can speak to this too. I think now we have at least the, the bones of a process yeah. that we're comfortable with that give us an alternative to some of the secular options that are out there for, yeah. for men who are abusive. Well, to Michael's point, not only is it the first book that he read on this topic, the first book that you wrote mm -hmm. on this topic, it's actually the first book that was written from a Christian gospel-centered biblical yeah. approach on working with domestic abuse perpetrators. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume. I mean, it's small. Yeah. It's a small market. It's the only. So. It's the only. It's the yeah. only one I know. It's. Yeah. It's the first book I read on that topic as well. Yeah. And it's really how Chris and I got to know each other it's through me reading that book and us talking about uh, the work. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of evolved then to developing the PeaceWorks process, yeah. and and then Men of Peace flew yep. out of that, and then Greg and I connecting on, okay, how does this look in the counseling room? How would this look in the group setting? Because I'm a big proponent of groups. Right. Yeah. And and just over the years, beginning to practice and practice and practice, bringing in some friends, keeping everything kind of under wraps to the point now that, you know, there are a lot more men who are seeking help now yeah. than ever uh, to to learn how to experience transformation. No, that's really good. And, and really to that point, what again, I alluded to this earlier, but what really drove Peter and I to that uh, Men of Peace workshop or cohort uh, was because we were experiencing, you know, at this point, I think we've had six domestic abuse cases um, and really um, much to, you know, kind of what you started uh, saying earlier, Chris, about just the fact that, you know, you're, it was court appointed and they just, they had to be there. And uh, but this is more voluntary. And in that, um, what do you do with a bunch of men when you, you know, how a effective would it be to bring five or six men together on a voluntary basis where you could work through the nuts and bolts and the theology of pride and how it manifests into power and control and entitlement and all these other pieces uh, that the gospel absolutely addresses. And 
you know, however long those groups are. Uh, and that's really why we were there because we wanted to be a hub uh, for those men and, and working with the perpetrators because they're all members of a church. Right. I love groups in that um, if, if you have trained facilitators and facilitators are willing to um, give and take, you've got yeah. there's a, it's a learned it's a learned skill and there's some personality things to it as well. But if you've got healthy facilitators who can lead the discussion, having groups of men provide added layers of accountability. Yeah. It provides um, levels of exposure because you can see things in others more quickly than you can see them in yourselves. Yeah. And so when let's say Greg and I were leading a group and Greg's applying the gospel to you know, guy one, you know, guy four over here is beginning to contemplate, well, wait, if that works there, maybe it would work in my case or my story. Yeah. And, and I, I love groups to make the process a little faster. I think yeah. it speeds up the process and it also allows the gospel to form in community, which yeah. has always been, I think, a more effective way to address these type of sins and these type of struggles than just one-on-one. Absolutely. It reduces the temptation to collude as well, I think, because yeah. if you're in a one-on-one setting, sometimes uh, abusive folks are pretty manipulative. It, it's a little easier to collude yeah. where uh, he can get you on on their side. Like, and well, to that think point, about this, think yeah, about yeah. this. And to that point, Chris, even in my private practice, I uh, also recommend that a lot of the perpetrators that I counsel in my private practice be in some kind of a group setting. And that's why Chris and I wanted to put together a group program that was based on the gospel. Yeah. Because uh, there there are good programs out there, yeah. like the ones that he's a part of in West Virginia. And I think both of us would say, if you're if you're a pastor or a church leader or whatever, and all you have is is that to provide yeah. to someone, yeah. that's okay. You can still, as the church, walk through and provide the gospel to that mm-hmm. person. Uh, but it would be great if there was a, a similar kind of program that was based on the gospel sure. and biblical principles, and that's what we've been trying to. Yeah, we've had pastors together. actually go to BIP classes or PIP, whatever they're called, it's intervention yeah. groups yeah. Um, that are secular. But we've had pastors go along or elders go along with their yeah. guy just to learn with them, hold them accountable, that's right. uh, process their homework. Same. But certainly we would love something that's more biblically based, theologically based, because that's where we think the heart transformation happens yeah. is at the level of yeah. the heart. Yeah. Yeah. That biblical change. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and, and just wrapping up, cause I know you guys got to get to your track. Um, so just lastly, how, for those, uh, for those of our listeners that are, you know, it's kind of the first time hearing of you or PeaceWorks, how is the best way for them to engage with you initially and continually? Yeah, so you can go to chrismoles.org, and um, that's my website. You can find out a little bit more there. Um, PeaceWorks Podcast is on all the platforms, Spotify, Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, a bunch of other ones I don't remember. And, and it's a great podcast. It's, I'm it, a regular listener. <laughs> yeah, just to that that plug, too, I just want to encourage you guys that you check them out. Um, there's the membership, PeaceWorks, right, where it's like a lot of the um, – the the teachings that you've done in the past, um, the slides, mm-hmm. super helpful. Uh, really, the book. If you're more of an audio person and you don't see yourself, although I would challenge you to sit down and read a book. Yeah. But if you're not, uh, go ahead and uh, check out uh, PeaceWorks, and you can get into membership there and access his material there. Anything else you wanna you wanna throw yeah. out there? No, I'm just thrilled to be part of ABC and continue to do the work. Um, continue to to process with biblical counselors who want to engage men. 
in with the gospel. And uh, yeah, just thrilled to, to be able to join the team and continue to beat the drum. I, I've told Greg this many times. I hope uh, someday people don't know who Chris Moles is. They or Greg Wilson. Or Greg Wilson. Right. They just know that abuse is sin. That's right. And violates the image, the heart, and the will of God, and that we should stand against it. And yeah. I think that'll be a wonderful, wonderful day. Absolutely. And right there, that's the mic drop. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Chris, thank you for joining us. Greg, obviously, thank you for being with us as well. We'll see you guys next time.